It's easy to think in terms of us and them because we are so different. But I guess you have to really be tolerant and try and understand why they do things the way they do. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Global from Asia interview series episode 198 guys i'm here in bangkok thailand just wrapped up the dcpkk conference it's actually four years since global from asia started started here actually october 22nd 2013 the domain was registered here at the bangkok it was actually at the pullman hotel uh, in the lounge so a lot's happened since then thanks dan and ian and Tropical MBA guys and the crew there, and uh, we're going to have an af- after party soon. I'm just sneaking in to do a little intro for our for our show here, Global From Asia. Thank you so much for listening. I met a lot of listeners here at the conference as well. Really appreciate it. Actually got a lot of great ideas to, to develop everything. And in just a few days, we have our cross-border matchmaker on October 27th. It's going to be an amazing first-time event where we're going to do a bilingual event with top Chinese Amazon sellers and, and international sellers. So look forward to meeting a lot of you there. It's uh, it's amazing events. You know, while we love podcasts and blogs, nothing still meet, beats meeting face-to-face, right? So it's a lot of FaceTime here in October. So I hope everybody's doing great. So I'm going to keep today short for the intro and get into the interview, we had Nicole Webb. She is an awesome, awesome person, and she's also a blogger and shares her stories. And I found her online when reading some great blogs. She's got Mint Mocha Musings. It's a travel blog where she's shared about her experiences in China and got her on the show today to share with you guys some of her experiences and some of her advice for those adventuring into China. So let's get into the interview with Nicole Webb. Today's podcast is brought to you by Aurelia Pay. I use them personally for sending money to my Chinese suppliers from Hong Kong. It's a cross-border payment solution between China, Hong Kong, and Southeast Asia. So when I need to make a payment to a Chinese supplier, I just hop online to place the remittance, pay to the Aurelia Pay's Hong Kong-based bank account, and Aurelia Pay will settle RMB within the same business day. So check them out online at www.aureliapay.com, A-U-R-E-L-I-A-P-A-Y.com, or check them out linked in our show notes. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another Global From Asia podcast. We have uh, actually somebody I'm excited to talk to, Nicole Webb. She's a freelance journalist, a TV reporter in Sydney. She spent some time in China and Asia, which is exciting to talk about. And she also has a pretty awesome blog. I like mintmochamusings.com. And it's about her expat affair in Asia. So thank you so much, Nicole, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great. So there's so much we could talk about. And I even have personal uh, questions for myself. I'm getting, you know, <laughs> this podcast and the videos I, I've been doing, I'm, I'm learning more about jur- yeah. journalism and things. Um, but sure. today we're, you know, I, I just thought it'd be cool to talk about your China experience, your China journey. And like he says on your, your blog, it's uh, you travel with as a hotelier's wife and, and had some experience. You 
first started in Hong Kong, I believe, and then went to Xi'an, which is pretty in central China. So, so maybe, Yeah. yeah, share, like maybe share how that got started. How did you, how did you first end up Okay. Well, um, I was working as a journalist. Uh, I was at Sky News uh, in Australia, which is a 24-hour news channel. So I worked there for 10 years, pretty much as a producer on a number of shows from politics to business and showbiz and the works. And I was a newsreader for five years or seven years of that. And I... um, Married my husband uh, during that time, who was who is and a hotelier, and at the time I said, "Look, I don't, I'm not going to travel overseas to live." He sort of said, "You know, it's on the cards." I was like, "I don't do that." You know, I, I'm a, I'm a career girl; it's not for me. I think my time is over for that. And he's like, "Fair enough," you know. And uh, maybe a year or so later, Hong Kong came up, and um, James, my husband, just kind of dismissed it. I don't know what happened, a light bulb moment. I just sort of looked at myself and thought, you know what, I could be driving into this same car park in a decade's time, doing the same late shift and, you know, wielding a same high-octane brand of hairspray. And I just thought, you know, let's do it, carpe diem, maybe, you know, time to seize the day and try something different. So I said to James, I think we should go. He uh, he nearly fell out of bed. He's like, what? (laughs) Yep. Let's do it. And uh, next thing I know, you know, things happen very quickly in the hotel world. And I think it was like three weeks later, he was gone and I was packing up the house. And I also found out we were pregnant for the first time in that same week. So it was like a double whammy. It's like, oh, wow, how are we going to do this? So, yeah, it was challenging, but uh, good fun. Four years in Hong Kong. Yeah. Yeah. Hong Kong is a, a pretty amazing place. I, like we were talking before the recording, I, I go there often. I'm I'm right on the other side in Shenzhen, China. But yeah, it's a it's a that's a really nice. So then, is that when Mint Mocha Musing started? Is that? Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, Hong Kong is an amazing place. I'm very jealous of you right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we we went there, and of course, um, I was pregnant, so I decided not to go back into news reading and all of that. I'd take a bit of a break. And then I started doing a bit of freelancing once my little girl was born and a bit of MC work and writing and all of that. And I always, you know, being a journalist, thought I would start a blog at some point. And I think it was about two years into the journey and I thought, you know, I've got to start writing this down and recording it. So, yeah, Mint Mocker Musings was born after way too many Mint Mockers in Starbucks <laughs> to keep me sane. And uh, from there on in, you know, it... Um, kind of emerged and has been a great platform for lots of different things yeah i love i love vlogging uh too and it's it's so powerful like and that's how we we were able to connect and every i mean so many people can learn right uh, the amazing part is of course it takes time but once you start sharing you know it's it's there for long term and people can learn and, and get perspective for the long term so so what was your so hong kong yeah I, yeah, like Hong Kong, like you're saying, you're jealous. I get to go there. It's uh, it's definitely not really normal what I think people thought of with Asia. I, I sometimes joke with people when I thought I was going to Asia from America. I I thought I was going to go to rice rice fields and uh, you know dirt roads. I'll be a little bit honest. Uh, didn't do too much homework before I came. And but yeah, Hong Kong is a very obviously first world, very developed, uh, fast paced city. 
Yeah, how was the time there? That was yeah, quite a few years. Yeah, I mean, look, I was like you. I really didn't know what I was going into either. I just, I had been there once before, just briefly. Um, but yeah, I think I was kind of, even though it's very civilized, I still think I suffered a little bit of culture shock. You know, um, if you've never been to Asia before, and to me, it was a foreign country. You know, I remember looking around, and it's that real blend of East meets West, isn't it? You know, you've got all those alleyways and the food stalls, and you know, all the Chinese culture, but you've also got you know a gazillion high rises, and it's the financial hub of the world. So. You know, I loved it from the minute I got there, but it was quite overwhelming, especially having a baby in a foreign yeah. country, you know, not knowing what to expect um, as a mother anyway, let alone being somewhere, you know, that you're not, you don't really know. So, yeah, it was a big learning curve for me. But, I mean, look, I look back now after being in the mainland and Hong Kong's just um, a beautiful, civilised city, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's it's, it's intense though, right? It's, I always yeah. think of that for the, I guess, it's, I mean, it makes sense. It's for blind people crossing the road, I think, is the reason for the that noise. But, yeah, it's a very fast-paced, very fast-paced city. So, or, and you do forget, I think. You know, I would sometimes, I would travel back quite frequently from Xi'an to stock up on supplies and do all sorts of things and I would kind of be a bit shocked at how you know everyone's just squashed together and it's you know everyone's just pushing forward and on the MTRs it's just you know it's so crowded and if you're not used to it it's just it's a bit daunting I think. Yes totally true I mean I on my blog I have a pretty popular post about Shenzhen and comparing Shenzhen and Hong Kong and I think one of the bigger differences is the space. Like Hong Kong is, I still think one of the most expensive in the world, at least up there on the top, yeah. top list. Uh, so you definitely have to have a pretty, even if you're very wealthy or have a big budget, you're still going to have a pretty compact uh, living environment. Yeah. yeah. We had a tiny, tiny apartment. I mean, it was, it was fantastic because we had to be right next to the W hotel. So it was in a great location, you know, above a big glossy shopping center and the MTR was below it and lots of restaurants, but it was a teeny tiny apartment, but you know, there are pros and cons with that, I guess. And it is just such an expensive city if you're looking to buy real estate. Um, and yeah. also, you know, another thing I found interesting was the whole, um, the maid culture or the helper culture. That was something quite unusual to me. And um, everyone said, oh, don't worry, you'll get used to it, you know. And I just, the idea of having someone living in our teeny tiny apartment mm-hmm. never kind of sat well with me. So we ended up just getting a lovely lady that became part of the family, just a part-time sort of helper to help when I needed to work. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, you know, there are, you know, most, most of the people in Hong Kong, you know, have helpers if you've got children, especially, and they, you know, often live in these tiny little rooms off, off the hallway, or sometimes they even live in the kitchen or, you know, in the kid's bedroom. And, um, that just becomes normal for Hong Kong people. But when you step away from it and look back at it, it's like, yeah, that is quite unusual. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, it is true. I, Usually it's, well, it's usually Filipino or Indonesian women. And yeah, it's, it's very, uh, yeah, it's true. It still bothers me when I, especially Sundays, right? You walk around on their day off and the city is just full of these, uh, 
I guess we call them maids. Yeah, they're they are. Uh, yeah, Sunday is their day. Isn't it? It's yeah, the day that they can, they um like to congregate together and. You know, they hang around in the parks and, um, you know, also anywhere there's, you know, spare space, I guess, which is not not many places in Hong Kong. True, true. And, yeah, I, I've there's some in some documentaries, I think, by like South China Morning Post and others. It's, yeah, I know it bothers quite a few people I know as well. And unusual. If you're not, I mean, I always think, you know, I've written a post as well on my blog and I think sometimes the exploitation goes both ways. You know, I've heard of a lot of Filipino helpers that are mistreated mm-hmm. and I've also heard of a lot of um, employers, so to speak, that, um, you know, the helpers have done the wrong thing by them. So you've really got to choose and make get the right relationship because essentially it is two cultures mixing together and, and living under the one roof and, I mean, that's hard for anybody. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I think um, for me, I, you know, I think you've got to treat them as part of the family if they're going to be living in your house. It's, it's a tough one. I don't know. Yeah. So on my side, just since we're talking about this, I have a, well, I have family in-law, in-laws that live with me. Um, yeah. Well, father-in-law, just usually it's more, but uh, my my wife's uh, father is down here living in our, he has his own room and it's maybe it could be a little bit similar, but I think in it's more of a Hong Kong thing. I, I, I think it's uh, usually it's family and at least in China. Um, and then if I was in America, right, I, I would probably be on my own. I don't, I, some people say it's a lot, it is a luxury to be able to have, well, some people, I guess some Western as a Western man, some, some don't like having in-laws there. Some actually most don't, but I think it's good. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but, I guess- you know, pros and cons, I'm sure, you know. Yeah. Well, so then uh, four years in Hong Kong and you're enjoying your mint mocha. I mean, I guess there's plenty of Starbucks and plenty of Western lifestyle in Hong Kong. So it wasn't really like missing much from from when you had. Uh, once you get used to it and, you know, I think, any new place you go, it just takes time to find your mojo and you've got to, you know, work out where everything is. But uh, once, you, once you're familiar with it, you know, yeah. there's no back really, is there? Yeah, exactly. And then so now it gets more interesting or a little bit more uh, exotic maybe or, well, Hong Kong's pretty exotic, but uh, Xi'an is, is much more uh, adventure, maybe unique. Uh, so that's something I noticed with the, you had yeah. gone up into so that's more central China, which is a little yeah. bit less less expat friendly, less foreigner. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. right? There's, there's. I've actually, I saw my list to go because, especially, there's the Xi'an warriors and other things. So they always, I haven't yet to make it there. But uh, yeah, how how did it? How, well, first, how did you make it up there? Is this another yeah. another project? Um, or? Gee, look, it was. Um the experience of a lifetime. Um, again, my husband, um, the next role for him was as general manager of a hotel and over a period of 18 months, a lot of different hotels in different countries kind of came on our radar. Um, some were a bit more exotic like, you know, Bangkok or Goa in India, Seoul. Um, and it was just like every month, you know, there was a new place that I would start thinking about and thinking, do I need to start packing up my sarongs or are we going to India or what are we doing? And it became increasingly obvious that China was the 
the path to take because, I mean, we all know how phenomenal uh, their growth is and mm-hmm. I think there was something like 80 new hotels being built in China in over the next two years for Starwood alone, you know. So it was just incredible. And um, so these cities keep coming up and at first we were a bit reluctant to take a, a position up there and in the end, you know, I think I started kind of craving some more adventure, which I don't know why, but you'd think Hong Kong was enough. But no, I, I thought, you know, wow. I need to get into this. Yeah. So I said to James again, I think we've got to do it. Uh, Xi'an came up and um, it looked like quite a, a decent city. It had, this, you know, a population of 9 million and I it looked you know, very historical and it looked great, you know, on the Google search and so next thing I know, again, it happened very quickly, a few weeks later, and James was going and I stayed behind to um, sort of pack up and finish things off. And then Ava and I flew up. She was three and a half. So, yeah, we flew up and stayed for two and a half years and uh, it was a pretty incredible time. And I thought that I knew a lot about China before I went there naively. I'd been to Shanghai and Shenzhen and Guangzhou and... yeah. Yeah, I thought I know. I kind of know what to expect, you know. It's a bit of the Wild West, but I think it's okay. But, yeah, I, I did suffer a pretty severe culture shock for a while. I think I was numb for a few weeks when we got there and uh, I always say it felt like I was just in a blur of speechlessness. I just couldn't even breathe, just so overwhelmed by what was around me. Yeah, but, you know, like with everything, eventually it becomes your new normal. True. Yeah, I think it's just uh, adjusting. And was there many other expats there? I I think I've talked to a few, but I don't think there's many, right? I, I mean, I guess I could say there's probably around a 1,000 expats, but then when you compare that to Hong Kong, where there were around 100,000, mm-hmm. it's a pretty small pool of people. And it was very hard to to find these expats. Abel didn't start school for quite a few weeks and, you know, in the hotel, I think James was one of two or three foreigners working there and outside the hotel, I mean, I would be the only white person, you know, for kilometres and (laughs) there was a big tourist attraction opposite the hotel called the Dayenta, which is the big wild goose pagoda and tourists come from all over China and, a lot of them had never even seen a white person you know, <laughs> from even more rural towns, or not rural, but lesser known than Xi'an. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty hardcore. Um, I remember one time just driving with our driver because we couldn't drive in, in Xi'an um, and seeing, I saw a blonde lady out the window and she had a little girl <laughs> and I just was so, I just wanted to wind the window down and start yelling out, hey, I can see you, you know, <laughs> let's catch up. Yeah. We were that few and far between. But eventually when I um, took Ava to school, of course you always meet people there and she was at an international school. They were one of three. Okay. Um, a lot of Chinese that went to that school that had a foreign passport and a lot of um, Koreans because um, a lot of Koreans live in Xi'an. Uh, Samsung, the second biggest um, plant, is in Xi'an. Oh, Okay. Yeah, and a lot of factories like Boeing um, and sort of plane part manufacturers and, you know, things like that. So 
Um, there are a few international kids there, you know, not too many though. Most of my friends became the teachers at the school that were there. Um, and I think there was one other Western girl in Ava's class at the time. But, yeah, I did meet a few people through that, which was my saving grace. And also on Facebook, a few people found my blog that had moved to Xi'an. So oh, they nice. contacted me through that. And uh, we had a blind date and had coffee and met a few friends that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I can imagine. It's, I was... Uh... I was thinking about living in Ningbo because there's a lot of factories there when I first came, but I, I let, you know, people convince me there's not, you know, it's too local for, for an ex for a foreigner to live. And especially when he first came out of here, but, and then another funny thing for, yeah, I, I feel similar. Like, well, Shenzhen now has so many foreigners, but about 10 years ago when I was here in 07, uh, I did the not, I started doing the nod, you know, the wave to like you said with the blonde yeah. in the car, I, yeah. I would see another foreigner walking by and I, we would both kind of like, like nod our head or smile at each yeah. other. Like, you know, cause it's just that acknowledgement, yeah. isn't it? It's like, yeah, I see you. Yeah. 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 You, do you don't do that, you know, in Australia or America. Yeah. Yeah. Kind yeah. of bizarre, but you kind of just stick together, don't you? I mean, you have to sort of, it's such a tight knit community, you know, yes. and I think the smaller the pool of expats, the more you, I mean, you know, I met people from all walks of life and I guess that was the beauty of it and there are so many people that I wouldn't wouldn't normally be in my circles that you get to make contact with and, you know, you just meet so many different people and so many different nationalities as well as finding out about the Chinese culture. I think you find out about, you know, Germans and French and Americans and you know, every other culture as well, you get a taste of. So yeah, so it seems like you were making some, meeting some people and connecting. And then uh, I I guess more for the touristy or fun stuff, I always get told I got to see the Xi'an soldiers or the soldiers there. Uh, I'm wondering if it's on my list, uh, but is there other, is that, well, is that worth the trip? And is there other, other things you'd say are, you know, are worth checking out? Yeah, look, I think you definitely have to see them. Um, I've seen them three times, which is okay. probably too much. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think once is it's a definite must. I mean, you know, we're talking about 8,000 soldiers that have been buried underground for, I think, like 2,000 years or more. Um, they were found, I think, 1974. Some farmer was digging a well and came across these pottery pieces. <laughs> and as they say, the rest is history, you know dig a bit further and there's these life-size soldiers that were built by the Emperor Qin to guard his mausoleum, so to speak, because he thought that there was an afterlife and that in the afterlife these these clay pottery soldiers would guard and protect him. So it's quite fascinating. So I think just to stand there and there's three pits and just to look at them, you know, they've all been resurrected. They're still digging up some actually. Um, and a lot of them used to be painted, but a lot of that has, um, I think, I don't know what the word is, but they're trying to, they've got new technology that um, can um, resurrect them with their paint intact. So it's pretty special just to see them and, and soak it all up and imagine what, who does this and who builds these. You know, I think it took 38 years to build this army of clay soldiers. Unbelievable. So, yeah. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, eight thousand. So something 
All right. I'll keep it on. It's definitely on the list of places. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I say, I've been three times and after, <laughs> after the second time, it's a bit like, okay, I've seen them now, but the first time it's pretty, pretty special. And there's a guy there that's signing books that was the farmer apparently that, um, found that first piece. Uh, interesting. <laughs> he's part of the, he's part of the, part of the, part of the, part of yeah. the show. Yeah. Out, so. <laughs> oh, wow. They got to go. Maybe I got to go there while he's still there. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, you also said you spent, or at least you visited here in Shenzhen and Guangzhou and other parts of China. So mm-hmm. it seems like you've seen a lot. Um, I guess I always like to ask, uh, ask uh, what's, what, you know, now you, you're in Sydney now and you're, you're thinking about your time in China and Asia, what, what was maybe some big takeaways, maybe either positive or negative, or maybe a little bit of both? Uh, it's really hard to know. I mean, I guess I'm writing a book now on life yeah. in China. Um, Great. So I guess I'm having to think about this quite hard and quite deeply. And I guess my whole point was that I always wanted to enlighten people about the real average person in China, because there are so many books out there on uh, the economy being, you know, the second biggest in the world. There are books on how you should do business with the Chinese people and the political system, but there aren't so many, you know, just on the average Chinese person out there and what they feel about China today and what they feel about the political system. And, you know, I guess they get a bad rap from other Western countries, you know, for when they're traveling on planes and always hear all sorts of crazy stories you know, but, you know, why are they doing that? I guess I'm trying to look at that. And for my book, I interviewed about uh, 50 locals. Wow. From, you know, teenagers to 90-year-old war veterans. So it was pretty interesting just to get their take on it because I think a lot of people think in terms of China is just those four first-tier cities like Beijing, Shenzhen, Shanghai and Guangzhou. But I think there are some, you know, there are over 650 cities in China. So, you know, and many of them have well over a million people. So there's a big, big portion that are really underrepresented. So I think my big takeaway is I guess when you go into a country like China, as you'd know, is you really can't, you've got to be open-minded. You can't be... It's easy to think in terms of us and them because we are so different and you can get a bit jaded and, and the way things are done, it's very different to what we know and it's frustrating. But I guess you have to really be tolerant and try and understand why they do things the way they do and and where that's stemming from. You look back 50 years ago, as we know, China was a completely different place, you know, and it's the, the rapid rate at which it's it's accelerated is unparalleled in history by any other country. So I think it's just quite fascinating and I think you have to try and remember that when you're there, there and there are times where you just feel like, where am I? And, mm-hmm. you know, this is so different from what I know. You know, I feel very isolated, and which I did on many occasions, but you've kind of got to look beyond that, I guess. And I, I did try to meet a lot of local people and I mean I don't speak Chinese very well I'm still learning so but it helped you know I could speak yeah. a little bit that I could hold a base sections I think that helped a bit definitely I I've seen you on your Instagram and such you have you still yeah you're still consistent I think it's all you know constantly learning right I mean Chinese language as well as the culture here they're 
I think, uh, from my perspective, that's what happened to me when I first came. I felt like there was so much to learn. Uh, it's just never ending things to learn here. Uh, but it, it's, yeah, just to reiterate what you said. Yeah. You just, you just have to embrace not, I call it not resisting and, uh, and just keep on pushing and pushing forward and, and, uh, can you speak Chinese? Well, I, 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 uh, I'm not good. I was never good at languages, but I've been three or four years now consistently. Uh, I have a stack of books. I write. I, I learn by writing. I learned that's how I learned because I used to. I used to learn. I everybody's try to speak, and I would like absorb it. But I absorb it by the characters and uh, absorb it by uh, writing it. So I I can do. I'm HSK four. So I've been going through the. You know, I've been just kind of self studying every day uh, by writing the characters and flashcards and. Uh, so I can travel and, uh, but I can't really do a business conversations in Chinese, but I can have, uh, basic conversations in Chinese. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I mean, gosh, I've got such a long way to go, but even here in Sydney, we've got a, a young Chinese student that's coming over once a week and she's kind of chatting, taking my daughter for an hour and then she'll spend half an hour just chatting with me and nice, which is a big help because you anyone to chat to so much um down under you know which is as you know the big thing and i'm still doing my skype um lessons with my chinese tutor in xian wow great great yeah so i guess you've come this far we might as well keep going (laughs) yeah it's true i mean you know i think there's no question that chinese you know they're they're going global they're going everywhere they're you know, so it's it's always good to know their language and the culture, which actually feels like you also got to learn together. Like sometimes the characters has like a meaning in a way that I try, that's at least how I try to remember it. And uh, that's a, uh, yeah, pretty good. So, so how has it been kind of going back to quote unquote reality or, 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 or I don't know, normal life? Is it... Uh, it's it's been quite it's not hasn't been as hard as I thought it would be because I I was really worried that we would well me in particular would miss um, I guess the adrenaline of living in another mm. country and the adventure you know you really get addicted to that and even if life is kind of mundane and I did the same things in Xi'an you know took my daughter to school every day came home worked on my laptop but you know you're in a, a different country and it's um more exotic and whatever you're doing has got that twist of Chinese on it so I guess I was really and I do miss that I miss that the most of course and I kind of knew that I would um life's a lot easier though back here I must Mm. admit um it's just easy every you know people say wow you think Sydney's relaxed and I'm like yes it is I mean (laughs) driving I I haven't driven for seven years. I can get in my car and just go where I want. You know, I can order anything I need with the language. There's no barrier there. If I get lost, it doesn't matter. I can ask anybody in the street. Um, You know, you can get anything you need. Just little things like that. Medical, of course, is a big thing because in Xi'an, the system up there was, you know, it wasn't the best. You know, there was one English-speaking doctor and his English wasn't that great either so it was always charades and you know my biggest fear back then was Ava getting sick and Mm, what we would do so I think 
you know, you obviously don't have to worry so much about that here. So things like that are a lot easier. But, yeah, I think we'll always miss it and never say never that we won't travel again and, and go somewhere else and, you know, especially being married to an hotelier, it's always <laughs> on the cart. Great. But for now, we're just enjoying a bit of normality and my daughter can walk to school and there's no pollution. I mean, that was a, starting to be quite a big problem for us because, it was really, really bad. I, you probably remember last year in Beijing, they had a red mm, alert. And yeah, that's been scary. Yeah, so poor Ava would have to wear a mask in the playground. You know, probably shouldn't have even been in the playground, you know. Mm-hmm. It's pretty horrible, you know, when it gets to that point where you can't leave the house without a mask on all the time. So, yeah, I mean, I think as much as I could have stayed in China longer, that was just a bit of a worry, you know, for the future. I understand. I, I, I do feel similar, you know, I, a couple of kids now and growing yeah. fast. So it is, that is a, a big one. It's not quite as bad though, is it? In it's, it's better. I mean, I'm like right on the border in Hong Kong. Of course, I think the biggest pollution problem in Beijing or these other cities sometimes is they use coal for heating and they have to kind of like create, from what I understand, or they blame the factories, but I, I think it's the coal energy that they use. So that creates all the, that's at least what I've understood. Yeah. I've tried to uh, find out the answer to the pollution issue for many years now. And mm. I, I can never get a straight answer. You know, I've had so many different versions of, yes, yeah, sometimes it's when they fire up the coal-powered heating in Xi'an. Of course, because it's winter, it's always a lot worse and the climate up there traps it and then you've got, I've heard all sorts of stories. You know, there are many more cars on the roads now, um, factories, many more. Of course, it's the factory floor of the world. Uh, my driver told me once that um, it was because the farmers use heating under their beds. Mm. Um, <laughs> so I, think, I don't think I don't think the Chinese actually even know what causes it. And a lot of them say it's become a lot worse in the last few years, that's mm. for sure. Mm. And I mean, some of them are starting to worry about it for the first time. But, I mean, still in Xi'an, you know, so many of them they yeah. don't bother to wear masks or anything. I mean, most of them smoke. So, you know, it is what they know, you know. Yeah, it's – it's uh, hopefully it gets better. Let's just hope. But, all right. Well, this has been great, Nicole. It's been it's, – it's, it's, I know you're – we have lots of things to do and, and you, you are quite busy. So you're also, you know – you're writer, copywriter, media trainer, MC, presenter, social media. Um, I know I'm That's excited cool. a lot. It's awesome. Oh, I try. I try. I'm trying to find my feet down under. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so what's what's the best way for people to to find you online? Is it your blog or? Yeah, yeah my blog is um, www.mintmockamusings.com or I'm on Instagram under mintmockamusings, uh, Facebook as well. And um, Twitter, Nicole D. Webb. So, yeah, you can Great. find me a lot of days. Yeah, we'll, say hi. we'll link it on the show notes. Also, just want to sh- mention it. So you're working on a new book, but I know you're also a co-author of a book, Once Upon an Expat. Uh, oh, I wrote, uh, I wrote a short story for, yeah, for that anthology. So it was really nice to be included in that, yeah. All right. Yeah, we can link that up. And then when whenever you're ready, for, when you're ready to put out your new book, I'll definitely... I'm definitely interested to read it. I, I like to read these China books, so keep great, me posted great. and I, I can share it. 
as well. Thanks so much for your time, Nicole, and and sharing. I'm happy to be in touch. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Nicole, so much for sharing. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And she's an amazing person. And I I, uh, look forward to cooperating with you, Nicole, in future events and and uh, and content you're a creator and a share and let's keep it up and uh, everybody if you could hop on over to her website or support her too it would be great so we are almost at 200 shows and things are just getting up and up we have so many amazing interviews i have guests i can't wait until their show goes online it's so hard, actually, to choose which show, which interview, which guest to put up next. That's, I guess, a good problem. It's so much amazing content to share with you guys. We do have a members series, uh, which Angelica, she's so busy with the matchmaker planning. Uh, I let her take a break from doing an intro this week. She's busy with that. And uh, we do have the members series. We have the members program, GFA VIP. I know some of the listeners are supporting the cause, supporting the show, supporting the Global From Asia movement. If you are interested in supporting us financially and getting some even extra value, GFA for Global From Asia, VIP.com. And Stay tuned. Actually, I updated the website a lot. I learned some things at DCBKK here in Thailand for simplifying things. I simplified it a lot. I actually removed, it seems like we have too much content here. So I simplified was my biggest thing. Maybe you could give me some feedback on our website. I know a lot of you are on iTunes, maybe don't even know we have a website at all. Globalfromasia.com. And this is episode 198. So if you want to show notes and other information, that is globalformasia.com slash episode 198. Can't believe it. We're almost at 200. Alrighty. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great rest of your week, rest of your day, wherever you are. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.